Hey, what's good, y'all? I'm Elston. Why, hello, everyone. I'm Ashley. And welcome back to Speaking Our Language. Yes, we back again and again and again. What, episode four? And yeah. Well, Ash, you ain't, you ain't know how we do this. Like, let's check in. What's good with you? I am all right. On Sunday, I went wine tasting with my mom and my aunt and cousin, and that was so much fun to just be outside sipping on some good wine. So, my i'm doing pretty good elston what about you how are you doing how are you feeling you know i'm i'm good i'm chilling enjoying life i guess it's like it's been beautiful in new york uh, it's, it's been raining here and there but this weekend I was able to catch up with some old friends we had a good time oh i love to hear it i'm happy you had a good weekend but we definitely wanted to keep our trend going of connecting the dots with each episode of the podcast so you know last week we had a very intentional and great conversation about self-awareness so this week we wanted to build upon that with mental health right like mental health is such an important element in everyone's lives and we know some stuff but we don't know everything so we definitely wanted to do some research and potentially find someone that you know can help us out with that not definitely so when we decided to do this episode i remember hitting ash like yo i got the perfect person for this um, Brittany Moses, who is a Los Angeles native, and she's passionate about seeing this generation live on purpose. While in the study of psychology and research assisting at UCLA, she leverages her platform to reduce stigma and assist with helpful information at their intersection of faith, culture, and mental health. Brittany is not only a certified recovery support group facilitator with NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, but she's also a crisis counselor with the Crisis Text Line. Still, her favorite part of life is being called mommy to her sweet son Austin. So without further ado, Aww. let's welcome Brittany Moses to the scene. Hey guys. I'm so happy to be here and so honored that I was the perfect person that you thought of. No, thanks for joining. Thanks for you know, thanks for doing this. Absolutely. I'm super excited for this conversation. I don't know if y'all realize it or not, but it's actually Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. No way. So that's why yeah, they do not publicize that. They do not. I, I've, That's like, big I've facts. Ne- never seen it. I guess it's because I'm really in like the mental health world, so I follow a lot of different accounts that um, I, I probably see it more salient, like coming up. But you're right. I think probably the general public would not realize that, but it is. So super excited about that, um, and us having that conversation, continuing at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health. No, like we're OD excited too. We're so grateful to have you here to have this conversation because we really want to make sure that we're really touching on these like nuanced intentional conversations to have in our community so venturing back to march kind of like mid-march end of march is when covid really started like people were really talking about it so i remember my mom was texting me and i was at work kind of watching on the news and i was just tight because i'm like i can't work from home they still making us come in so i knew it was serious but i didn't know how serious like how grave it actually was going to be you know I just thought it was kind of this story in China, you know, and then to see how it progressed definitely came on quicker than I thought it would. Um, And more seriously, like having more serious repercussions on our lives than I foresaw. So it was it definitely was a bit of a culture shock and like shaking us up in our daily lives for sure. No, I seriously did not think originally that it would get this bad 
I mean, I feel like that's what happens with any tragedy that's happening in the world is that you never know how serious it is until it's close to you or like at your front door. I think that's exactly what COVID was. And it's not just something that was affecting people's health. It was also affecting people's finances. Like for me, I was over here. My parents made me come home and I've been home for months and I'm still paying rent in New York. And so many people who were on unemployment but it took months upon months to get that money you know there's so many disadvantages that a lot of people have been going through yeah it's definitely and i think the thing that we're highlighting is that it's not just a health issue it definitely is also a mental health issue um obviously the the, yeah the data is still coming in right because it's still early um so a lot of it is projection but for example um, a sense from the Census Bureau, a household pulse sur- survey this year um, showed and estimated that one third of Americans have shown a spike in signs of clinical anxiety and depression. Um, and a lot, and those rates of anxiety and depression are found to be higher among young adults, women, and those in poor socioeconomic status. Um, and then also there was another recent Kaiser Family Foundation poll that found that nearly half, about 45% of U.S. adults have reported that their mental health has been negatively impacted due to worry and stress over the virus. Um, and as you guys mentioned earlier, I'm a part of the crisis text line. I'm one of the crisis counselors. And so they, they do their own data as well. And they found that 80% of the texters texting into the crisis line are mentioning virus alongside feeling anxious. And the top five words that texters are using are news, panicking, outbreak, canceled, closing. Um, So, you know, there's definitely, there's definitely been a spike um, in, and it's reasonable, like it's understandable why I think we've all felt it to some extent. Um, We're definitely created for social connection and we're Mm -hmm. missing that. I mean, we literally are biologically wired for connection. We have neurochemicals that are released upon contact um, that show that we are meant to be in healthy attachment with other people. Um, And, you know, and then there was just grief. I think that's what was hard for a lot of people to pinpoint was like what they were feeling. Because even for me, I work from home. And it was still affecting my motivation and everything and my mood. And it's just the fact that we were actually just grieving loss. Like loss is not only death. Loss is like loss of work, loss of your regular routine, loss of what you can expect, expect, loss of safety, Mm -hmm. of feeling safe. So there was just a lot of grief of our lives and a lot of anxiety of the unknown because we still don't know like how the future is going to play out. And it's just the right combination of things for any one of us to find ourselves feeling stuck and adrift and even frustrated um, or feeling depressed and anxious. Um, So it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out in the upcoming years. Um, as you know, researchers continue to project and record how people are doing. No, I agree. I think what you said was perfect about the idea of like sometimes grief is is death, but it doesn't have to mean just like of life. It can just mean like also like grieving the lives that we once knew, like how we used to navigate, and like this transition has caused us to kind right. of look at that, and then like you have to leave that, but for what? We, we we're not quite sure, and for some people who are already living day to day, 
not knowing, now you have a whole new factor, which is like throwing things way off for you. So it definitely has been like very, very difficult in terms of like, you know, just worrying about finances, then worrying about your own emotional health, your own spiritual health. And like you said before, um, this idea of attachment connection. So it's like, we're having to really show for ourselves, but then maybe you can help us out with some tips, strategies, or just your own takes. Like in a period that's a transformative time like this, like how do you show for other people when you really have to show for yourself first? Kind of? Yeah. And so quickly, right? Like that was the thing that it came on quicker than we expected. And that really threw us all off. And so I would say like, I think number one is just to be flexible with yourself. You know, um, I think that a lot of us, especially those of us who are like high, high achievers, um, and we're just like highly productive. Um, we treat ourselves like machines, like, right. Like, like you are not a machine. Um, you are a human being, you have to process things. And I think there was a lot of, um, I don't know, like loss of productivity, you know, and trying to cope through all of this and a lot of people holding themselves to a standard of like how they should be showing up no matter what. And it's like, you've never been in a pandemic before. You've never experienced this before. And it's not just you, like it's a collective loss and a collective adaptation that we're all going through. So it really is like, be flexible with yourself um, day to day, you know, um, because you are still processing through it. Be, you know, be gentle with yourself. Um, and I think the other part is it really is maintaining those social connections. Um, and I know for me and my friends, like we did a lot of like little Zoom parties or we use the app House Party and that's fun because you could do games on there. Um, just little things like that to make sure FaceTiming, making sure you are staying connected with people because that. Um, isolation really does undermine your mental health. Uh, they actually did a study with an elderly population and found that um, being like severely isolated was equivalent to like smoking 15 pa or 11 packs of cigarettes a day, <laughs> like something crazy where it just really shortens your life expectancy. Um, so it's just not healthy, I guess, in summary is what I'm saying. It's not healthy to just be alone, you know, and to totally isolate. Um, so finding ways to make connection. No, I can totally relate with what you were saying. I know for a fact, me being an overachiever, I just felt as though if every day, if my day wasn't fully filled with work from day in to day out, like from sunrise to sunset, that I wasn't accomplishing enough. And I honestly forgot that when I actually was going into work and was required to do that I would take coffee breaks I would go have lunch and I wouldn't feel bad about it but in this quarantine and pandemic I just felt so much pressure to be to do more when it wasn't necessary so totally align with you on there and when it comes to social connection I think uh it's necessary I think it's important that we you know, and I think in the beginning we were finding fun ways to do that, but then after a certain amount of time, people were like, okay, I'm over the FaceTime, the Zoom calls, like I need to see people. And that was one reason why, you know, so many people were so adamant about, you know, getting back into a normal, the normal way of life. And it's like, we don't have that normal way of life anymore and we can't do things the way we used to and we have to move accordingly. And I know that made a lot of people uncomfortable, which is fair. And I mean, 
I definitely think this quarantine in general has shifted a lot of things. I know particularly for myself, I, you know, my parents were really adamant about me coming home and moving back home um, for this period. And I thought that I was going to be here for a month, but now it's going on five months and it's like, okay, this is a whole new atmosphere that I haven't been in for a long period of time. So coming back and while also trying to establish my independence has been tricky and has like you know arose a lot of anxiety within it's myself not just so you. It's i know not a lot of people can you. probably attest to that too <laughs> of going back to like not uncharted territories but places where you're independent or you're not as independent and you know people are relying on you to show up so that's definitely a whole nother space that i think we should you know definitely touch on i agree i feel like moving back home is a very unique experience especially after you've you know gone to college and have started, you know, your own life. Um, in a way, it's tough to kind of move back into that space. So for me, particularly, flying back from LA to New York and being home with my parents, it was great. But it's also like you come with the hard realities of like you have to see your parents get older, and like that's something that you don't you understand is happening. But to see it from day to day, it's like oh, like you're not the same young parents that I had when I was growing up. So it's like staying on my mom, like yo, we gotta work out, we gotta get you. I'm saying your health and order. My dad, like, yo, don't eat this. Making sure everything's good with you. Take your medication. Taking on the responsibilities different. Also, you know, just being home with my brother, my sister. As we're all growing up, it's having to relearn each other. Like, okay, cool. I know you as my brother and as my sister, but like, how do you want me to understand and to know you? Uh, I think those have been extremely beautiful experiences, but it's also like it's a, it's a steep learning curve. So it's definitely at times difficult. No, I totally feel that of relearning and that's like like kind of like that's what I'm saying it's like a whole nother space that you're entering because it's like while you're dealing with everything you're dealing with you also are you know trying to you know be aware and show up for people and check on people you know that you're with and that can take a whole nother toll on top of everything else that you're dealing with so I think what your point was valid and I do think that especially students they have a whole nother you know set of experience that you know us being graduates like may not fully you know get either because learning learning online is no joke like it seems like it might be easy but it really is not like the attention span you have to have limiting distractions all of that is not it's not easy when you're trying to actually learn you know what I'm saying it, yeah, a lot of us, uh, right, we're doing we're doing classes online even during the last quarter. And so a lot of a lot of uh, students were a lot of students as well were like in class. And it's like, I know I'm home, but I still have schoolwork to do. <laughs> but their families in the background, like thinking that they can do all of these household tasks just because they're home or can call them every five seconds for this and that. And it's like, even though I'm here. I'm still obligated. And I heard that a lot in a lot of my online courses and one of the courses I was TAing for. Um, and, and that's one of the things I think the pandemic really did do. It highlighted like um, mm-hmm. th- these disparities even uh, with people's like living situations. For example, like not everybody had internet and not everybody had a safe space at home. Like for some people, their safest space was at school and getting away from their home, or that's even where they got their primary mm-hmm. meals. Um, so I think you're totally valid in highlighting all of those dynamics that this really brought out during this time. Um, for me, it's kind of an opposite situation because I ended up moving back home 
for school <laughs> um, to because I have a 10 year old. So uh, my mom's been really helpful with him while being in school and getting ready to move out. Uh, but uh, yeah, everybody it's hard because everybody's family situation is different and um, and you can't really control other people. All you can do is hopefully have a conversation with them. Like I had to have a conversation that was like, look, I know I'm home. But, (laughs) but I'm still doing work. Like I'm still in the middle of things. Like you can't just yell my name from downstairs. Like I'm in the middle of class. (laughs) Just because I'm home. I'm on a call, (laughs) you know? Um, And I think just, it's going to come down to clear communication, you know, And, Mm -hmm. and being able to at another time, like at a separate time, not when you're like in the heat of the moment, but at a separate time, having that conversation with your parents or whoever's around you and saying, Hey, you know, from this time to this time, I just want to let you know, even though I'm home, like this is what I'm doing because I don't think people, I just think people live within their own perspectives, you know, and they're not aware of what's going on in your life. So making them aware of that and just, you know, asking them to respect that. And if there are things they need help with, we can even just be like, Hey, I have this going on, but as soon as I'm done with this, I got you, you know? Um, and we can still be respectful, you know, about Mm -hmm. it while navigating and having those boundaries. And I think that just comes with clear and open communication. Um, and prayerfully those around you will, reasonably understand that (laughs) but I I've been there I know what you mean (laughs) no I totally agree I think clear communication is so important and I know a few weeks went by before um when I first got here and I was like okay Ashley we need to just make sure that we are setting some boundaries and just letting everyone know like hey I do work you know full-time and I am also doing all these different side projects so I do take calls and I have meetings and I can't just be accessible to everybody like I don't want any knock at the door no one just barging in like can we keep the music down during like these certain times and like just like letting people know where I stood um and what I needed um within this space of us all being home at the same time and with one another all day, every day. I think even beyond communicating boundaries, communicating emotions is just as important. So being able to say, I'm not in the mood or I'm kind of sad right now or I don't feel up to it. Mm-hmm. And then being able to mm-hmm. also recognize some of these things are anxiety, depression. I think even for black men that are listening, not, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Like, what does that mean? You know what I'm saying? So if Brittany, if you have any tips, strategies, or just kind of ways to identify these emotions and the passing of these feelings and some of like the symptoms, that would be great for the declining of mental health. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great question. And um, I think that's the that's the big thing about mental health is distinguishing like what's normal and what's more abnormal, so to speak, um, when it comes to your mood. So for example, grief is very normal, right? Like feeling some grief, feeling unproductive, unmotivated, feeling some level of just, you know, mood changes would be normal during this time, considering the circumstances. That's totally human. Um, but definitely, definitely... Um, when we're thinking about something more severe like depression or anxiety, we're really looking at functionality. Like how well are you or are is this person able to function through 
life as usual. Um, for example, in their work life, in their relationships, and in their just everyday tasks, right? So um, for a lot of us, we may be feeling sad or we may be feeling down or unmotivated, but at some point we kind of, you know, give, our, give ourselves a little kick and we can sort of cope through it and carry on with our usual activities. For someone who is, say, severely depressed, um, they usually are, first of all, a lot of these symptoms are going to go on for, say, over a month for weeks, you know, for weeks. It's very prolonged. So we're looking at length of time. Um, and you're not just kind of recovering on your own, you know, and you're usually experiencing a lot of fatigue, like even bodily fatigue, just feeling physically weighed down. Sometimes it could feel like you're moving through jello. Um, everyday tasks may feel impossible, even just like getting out of bed or fixing yourself something mm. to eat or taking a shower. Like these usual things that we do, they just feel like impossible to do. Um, you just feel extremely stuck. Um, a lot of times there might be sleep issues like insomnia where you're, where you can't sleep or hypersomnia where you're oversleeping a lot. Um, you'll probably experience a lot of feelings of guilt and worthlessness. A big marker of depression mm -hmm. is loss of pleasure, like just loss of all um, interest in life. You know, like the things that you used to enjoy doing or that could kind of soothe you, like maybe turning on a Netflix show or uh, writing or taking a walk outside or whatever it is, talking to friends, whatever those things are that usually bring you pleasure or some sense of joy. There's just no interest. There's no pleasure. There's kind of a numbness there um, and a lifelessness there. So um, there's that. There might be um, significant weight gain or significant weight loss. Um, so, and, and, and as you can imagine, you're feeling all of these kind of symptoms at the same time. Could you imagine like how burdensome that is? Like you're feeling these at the same time. You're feeling them for a long period of time. And it's especially severe at its worst if you're having, you know, feelings of suicidal ideation um, and just not wanting to be here. And that's probably the biggest sign. Um, and so that would be a more severe sign of depression that uh, certainly you'd want to get help for because a lot of times these things will persist without some form of treatment, mm. which is like either talk therapy or medication or both. Because um, keeping in mind, there are physical symptoms involved. Um, so that's the depression side. And with anxiety, mm -hmm. again, just severe anxiety, um, you might be experiencing panic attacks. Uh, right, where it's just hard to function, um, heart racing, again, insomnia, and it all goes back to functionality. Like it is basically disabling you from being able to live your everyday life. For a lot of us, we can kind of cope through these things. We feel down. We may not feel for ourselves for a little while, but we kind of pick up and we kind of cope through it and can keep going. Um, and we're usually okay. But if it gets more severe on the depression and anxiety side, um, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really disable you from some more severe symptoms for a longer period of time. And you're going to experience these more days than not. So I would say that's a pretty clear, a more clear um, distinguishment between the two. No, nah, thanks for that. I really, that told me a lot. Like, just th even when you were talking about the experience of like, feeling all those things at once. And then again, we have to like keep stressing the fact that this is like a, 
unprecedented time. So like, there's so much going on that we're not going to fully understand or process or impact like years later to look back and be like, okay, like all these things were happening. This is what kind of caused this yeah. like in real time, but we'll be able to like kind of be more critical about it later on. But I want to get, also get back to something you said earlier about this being Minority Mental Health Month. And I think it's just wild that we, I didn't know that. I think Ash said she didn't know that. And I think that plays into ideas of, you know, stigma, hesitations, just a lack of knowledge around mental health, especially within the black community, communities mm-hmm. of color, marginalized communities. Can, can we talk a little bit about that? I feel like that's something that we, it's kind of taboo, like, because even for a couple of years up until now, mental health is not something we really talked about. It was just more like, I'm good, like. <laughs> what like what yeah. is mental health? It's like my favorite thing to talk about as a black woman. <laughs> um because I experience all of that. It's just like you're anxious for what? <laughs> like what are you anxious about? Like you have food and a roof over your head, like what are you worried for? You know? And it was just like not a thing. It's crazy because I found out that I, the women in my family suffered from anxiety. I found out, like, I want to say a couple months ago that my grandmother took anxiety medication. And then my mom did at some point in her life too. She had experienced panic attacks. And it's like, okay, we just don't talk about this. Like, you know, like it could be me next easily. Like, cause I have experienced anxiety, but I haven't been medicated or anything for it. But like this runs in our family, you know, um, and we don't talk about it, you know, because we're just going all the time. So I know specifically for black women, and I wouldn't be surprised if black men have this too, but we have something called the superwoman schema. And it's mm-hmm. just the schema that like you have to constantly be on and um, constantly doing all things at all times uh, because a lot of times uh, the black woman tends to be the backbone for her family. Um, research mm-hmm. shows that you know black women tend to make up a majority of the income for their household, um, both when they are married and as single parents. Um, as single mothers. So, but that also has to do with a lot of disparities with the uh, imprisonment system uh, and the social Mm -hmm. justice system. And there's a lot going on in there and just the disenfranchisement of black men that left women to play multiple roles um, for decades, you know, and that just on both ends, creating a lot of mental health challenges. (laughs) I'm like, we could go deep dive, but I know we have other topics. (laughs) I know we have other topics, uh, but yes, yes. But I think it's important because like, that's real. Like, oh yeah. Talk a lot about mental health. And then now even like Mm -hmm. resources and what you can do to kind of get. And now this this is, this is the time, yo, you know what I'm saying? Like Ash and I were talking about the pros and cons of quarantine. It's like, it's great because you have all this time to kind of like, yo, everyone's like, get after it. If you don't come out of quarantine with a billion dollars <laughs> or an LLC or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, you didn't really do much. But also, there's it a lot of time that can be spent yeah. on self-reflection and just like kind of journaling and stuff. But then that can also lead to you just being obsessively, to obsessively worrying and being mm-hmm. overly concerned sometimes. I think, or at least in my case of like quarantine, a surprising like pro for at least my family was that like, we had a lot of time to like reflect like my dad he has like glaucoma and stuff and like we actually were like hey sir like let's talk about this like the severity of it let's you know like you can't run away from it now because we're all stuck in this house and you know we were able to like kind of like 
break that down yeah. and see what that looks like and be like okay well let's make sure that we're getting your blood test done like we're checking all things because we have the time now so I think it's I don't know made my family at least talk about our all of our different things our own different issues and like you were saying earlier Brittany about like women like black women were always on the go and we're always on I think just as black people we're always on always trying to like, you know make sure we have money yeah. make sure we're doing the next thing that we never have time to sit and have like intense conversations or you know really under acknowledge like what if it's actually a problem or if that's just part of life like oh you're black you're gonna be stressed you know like it's actually like well there's a magnitude you know there's levels to this and like it's not always healthy yeah actually like being able to have those conversations and be able to acknowledge what something is I think we just never saw it as like a problem we just saw it as a way of life type of thing for like anxiety and different things so quarantine you know you may get snatched but you can also you know have some good conversations if that's like applicable to like your life if that makes sense no that makes a lot of sense and even on on top of what you were saying too is like just the historical perspective like I also don't want to make it seem like you know I'm blaming my community for not knowing it's like also let's let's talk about medical distrust you know what I'm saying like there's also things that the institutions have done that haven't made us feel very Mm -hmm. safe about wanting to actually use these resources or actually wanting to check up on these things because of like we're being saying like sometimes you know you can there's so much that has been done within the institution that you can face consequences for even trying to keep up with your mental hygiene because there's a stigma like if you're seeing a therapist oh you have to be crazy if you're doing these things like even if you're just doing maintenance that there has to be something wrong with you if you're like seeking out resources for your mental health Yeah. I mean, the truth is that we can't talk about mental health without talking about physical health because, um, you know, there are a lot of disparities when it comes to health issues. You know, I've studied more so with black women um, and maybe you guys can tie in more as well. But, you know, for black women compared to their white female counterparts, even though black Mm -hmm. don't crack, um, black women are 7.5 years older on the inside um, when it comes to health related uh, just age aging. And also you see a lot of disparities with, you know, um, like childbirth and childbirth deaths and um, heart disease, stroke. Uh, You have all of these, um, you have all of these disparities when it comes to health issues, but you also have to think, okay, what underlies these? Chronic stress. Chronic stress is a huge underlying factor Mm -hmm. to heart disease and all of these issues. And when we hold it in, we're literally storing the trauma. We're literally storing the stress in our bodies that comes out in these physical ailments. Um, And so Mm -hmm. that's why when I say I'm talking about mental health, I feel like I'm talking about a life or death issue in my mind because I understand these connections. And, And so when you have stigma on top of that and you have a community of people who are holding in their stress and holding in their trauma, um, then you see these disparities, these health disparities. Also in men too, like men have just, black men have high rates of blood pressure. Like it's crazy um, and are the least likely to go see a doctor about it. Uh, black women are more likely not going to see a mental health professional. They're going to go to their church or they're going to go to their um or family, like they're more likely to keep things inside the family. And so we're, we're as a community, we're storing all of these things in our bodies because our bodies are do store. If we're not getting out it out in one way, our, it's going to come out in our bodies, you know. And so we have to keep that in mind as a community that our health is on the line when we are not healing mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. No, I completely agree. Healing 
is multifaceted. There's no one area that needs it more than the other. Every aspect of who we are needs healing so that we can be our best selves. And the sad part is as we are trying to do that and take the steps and the resources and the help that's presented to us, we are then faced on a constant basis with police brutality and racism which then takes us back so many steps it's like no matter how hard we try to be better and to change and to improve and to adapt we constantly are dealing with oppressions and that takes a whole nother toll that oh my gosh is that's gonna that's a whole nother episode full of mental health dedicated to social injustices that black and brown people face on a daily basis. Yeah, I really think that the social injustices that were coming up in the news took us all over. Like we were already jacked up from COVID-19 and everything that was happened. And then all of this came up and it just, I don't know about y'all, but I was like, okay, this just like took the cake, you know? And not that it hadn't already been happening. Like we've known that these things have been happening, but to see someone die on screen like that, like, and I keep telling people like, I keep telling people this, you're seeing all this death on your timeline. That is traumatizing. Like we are not meant to see people die like so constantly um you know seeing a death is traumatizing seeing it over and over again that is re-traumatizing um and so I was telling people you know you don't I don't know for me I don't need to see someone die to know that there needs to be a stand for justice you know um I don't watch as many of those anymore okay right (laughs) thank you um like I don't need to see someone die to to know and be convicted about the right thing to do, you know? And so I kept telling people like, you are not less of an advocate, less compassionate or less for justice because you are setting boundaries around your mind uh, when it comes in your soul, when it comes to social media um, and realizing that everybody has a different role to play and that's okay. Like for me, it was my podcast. I was like, okay, I have this podcast. Um, I like podcasting because I feel like you can unpack more of the layers than you can in like a social media post or an article, which can be construed in 10 million different ways. Um, so I wanted to use my podcast to have conversations about, um, race Mm -hmm. justice and the church more so even talking about the church's role in that. And even the church's implicity, um, uh, more so white evangelical churches implicity in not showing up for these issues. Um, I think that that's, uh, I think that I'm, there's some progress now, but we still kind of have a ways to go in some areas. Um, and so, yeah, just taking time to process, right. Uh, to sit back and process what's going on, uh, we're so reactive as a society, you know, we're constantly reacting. And when we're not reacting, we're taking in other people's reactions. And so I really think it's good and it's valuable to have your own personal space, your own emotional boundaries to do your own deep work and to say, okay, what do I think about this? You know, what, how do I need to take care of myself doing this, during this? And what are, what is my role in this? Like, what does it look like for me? And, and, yeah. Because go ahead. Our, go oh, ahead. You're you're like on fire. No, Let's our, go. Our gen- <laughs> no, okay, let's get it right. Because like, and that's I think that's emblematic also of like our generation. We're movers. We're shakers. We're on fire. Like he tells us we can't do it. I'm not even going to engage with you. Like why why I can't do it? Yeah. I'm just show you that I can. So we're just pushing the needle that much more. So like, 
what do you have to say, like, ways for people to kind of, like, make sure that they're doing their due diligence and self-preservation when we're on the front lines, when we're, you know, because, like, even small things, like, arguing with someone on Twitter to, to like, educate them, that's a lot. I don't even do oh, it no. no more. Like, I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just a yeah. lot. So, it's like, when we're now actually going out and being involved in protests, yeah. um, Mm-hmm. just continuously like advocating how do advocates take care of themselves oh yeah and, Ash, and i can definitely you, you know to do like yeah, yeah so even me personally i um have been doing working in my own local community with my friends to you know attend city council meetings and throw peaceful protests where we're like creating like houseless bags for any that anyone that we see on the streets as we're marching and like that is full of like you know any personal supplies, food, you know, socks, just anything that they would need. And we're like passing them out as we're like marching and we're, you know, trying to get different like budgets approved. And our community right now is, you know, trying to, you know, have a budget committee established within our city council when it comes to like knowing where money is being allocated and encouraging them to pour back into the communities. But we receive so much you know hate and i know for one of our protests people were commenting under you know one person's one city council members negative post about us saying like you know we can run them over and just like a lot of things and it's like we are all in our 20s just trying to make an impact and trying to improve our world and it's just like why is there so much hate and like how is like to have to deal with like my life being put at risk by wanting to cha- make a change is a lot. And I think it's, I think a lot of people would like to maybe hear some helpful tips about how to stay, you know, encouraged or, you know, sane when you're facing hate in all different ways. Yeah. I, the thing about advocacy that's really interesting is that it is both a coping mechanism, um, but it is also very draining at the same time. So advocacy is definitely a way to help reconcile with the exhaustion and the injustice that you're seeing and a way to cope through it. Uh, but it's also very exhausting and draining to be putting in that work at the same time and having to deal with the different characters like you're talking about. And when you're seeing so much hate, you know, like that, you do have to refill your cup with like the good. You do have to kind of refocus yourself on uh, the good that is happening or the progress that is being made or the people that are doing the work that is aligned with you. Because if you focus too much on the, I think the opposition, that's really going to weigh you down and make you feel hopeless and, um, and just undermine your mental health. So I really think, uh, choosing where to direct your focus, right. Um, and realizing that this is the unfortunate part of the work, (laughs) um, and focusing on the good, but I, I, Ashley, I think, I think it would be great for you to share, like, as you're doing all this, is there anything that you're doing? Because I can kind of give some, like, I can give those general tips, but as someone who's doing the work and is boots on the ground, um, it might be helpful to hear what's like actually helping you. That's a really good question because I think every day is a new day for me to learn how I can better support myself mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. You know, I started off trying to like meditate and I realized that one thing that worked for me was like, okay, reading my Bible first thing in the morning, praying to him when I'm in the midst of a protest or in the midst of a city council meeting where people are saying like 
just the most racist and hateful things like trying to have him become my center place is definitely something I've been working on not perfect I definitely been trying to read and painting has been a thing that's helpful and jumping rope or going on a run so for me those are just kind of things that I'm trying to improve in my daily life and also communicating with people you know doing this podcast just finding my avenues that help me to pour back into my community in a healthy positive way is I think what's keeping me sane and knowing that this is beyond me and God is using me and the people around me to inflict change and like with that comes like the burden of dealing with all that hate so I don't have a solidified plan it just kind of like going with what feels right for me in that moment and brings me peace in that moment and trying to not like like allow hate that is coming towards me to fill me up and take up that space and like try not to give it back which is hard as hell let me just say that it's extremely hard to not pour that back out and to try and always think above and think about approaching it with education and like all these different things and it's like lord take this person away because i got two seconds left before i go to the far left so you know, God's been my rock for sure. Yeah, one of the pastors that I was speaking to on the podcast was like, I pray while I'm protesting. <laughs> like as I'm out there, I am praying. And it probably is good to create that space, you know, where after all of this, you probably are taking some time to turn off everything, you know, and just, you know, relax your mind, re-anchor yourself and practice a lot of self-care and a lot of taking care of yourself because the more you're doing it from an empty well and you're running on empty, I think the harder it's going to become and the more fragile you'll feel going through all of it. But I think if you're refilling your cup and finding ways to do that, um, then what you're pouring out in your advocacy work is going to be the overflow and not the bottom of what's left. And something you talked about right now, too, is like something that I think I'm very interested in is just like, again, the intersection of faith and mental health. I think for right now, one thing that I've been really searching for is just like, what is my purpose here? (laughs) Like this time, I think in the self-reflection has really made me just like, I think like I said, too, like you can't run from these things. You can't hide from them. You can't busy yourself. Like there's literally nothing to do but just to sit down with these thoughts and be like, okay, what am I going to do? So I know a lot of people have been really feeling like, what's my purpose? Like, what was I put here on earth to do? Like, okay, God gave me all these gifts. What is his direction for my life? Any tips, strategies, like anything you can kind of tell us about? (laughs) Yeah, I think you're talking about like the general aspect of calling. Um, And this is a way that I see it, you know, The Bible says that the Bible says that um, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So all things, you know, I think the trap, the thing that we trap ourselves in and get so confused about when it comes to God's will and our calling is we think that it's supposed to just be this straight path, like one thing. But I I think that it's much more dynamic than that. It's that God is using you in all spheres, in wherever he's placed you and wherever you go, you know, uh, the great, the two greatest commandments. And the number one thing is to love God and love people, right? Well, and to do things to his glory. So to me, it is no matter what space you're in, 
no matter what direction you're going in, God is going to use you in that direction and all things will work together for the good of those because you are called according to his purpose. And if you are, you know, loving God, loving people for his glory in that space that you're in, well, that's where you're, that's where you're supposed to be, you know? And I believe that as you continue to go through those spaces and grow through those spaces, what I find is like each position kind of leads to the next and it all connects. And you find that what you were doing previously was preparing you for what you're doing now. And it all comes together. Um, and I really think calling is not this je- destination place. It's a journey. Um, it's a journey that you're going through. And as you acquire the and are equipped through each experience um, with the resources and the skills and learning more about yourself in those spaces and finding your passion, which you really can only find by stepping out and trying things, God is going to mold you through that. He's going to shape you through that and he's going to guide your steps. And so Purpose and calling is wherever you are and you're doing it to the glory of God and you're loving God and you're loving people and, you know, you're doing it with your heart, soul, and mind um, is, is really really how I see it. And there's, I don't think there's a reason to peg ourselves in that way, kind of in that hole that we like to do. Uh, We tend to fall into this all or nothing thinking, like it has to be this or that. And that's just not life. (laughs) It's much more dynamic than that. We are praying for purpose, you know, just like praying, God, show me the way, show me the way. Everything like, you know, God's going to just come down and be like, all right, boom. This, this block right here, <laughs> took a right, and like, you want to get your blessing, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. I think even even then also, understanding the, the role of prayers, like you said before, like the church can be a place, has always historically been a place for black people, people of color to kind of go and receive Jesus and receive Christ, but also like a, a safe haven for our mental health, a safe haven for our mental spaces. But I think something like that goes back into like the stigma you're talking about. Prayer isn't like this end all be all fix everything. Like, yes, <laughs> Jesus is, we need Jesus, but I think Jesus also wants us to get therapy too. So can you, t- can you talk a little bit about that? Just like what maybe you've seen from your own experiences, just in like the role the church plays, but also sometimes the, the limitations of the church within the mental health scope. Ooh, that's like a whole separate podcast. No, but, um, we can. Oh boy, you took it there. That and that's my main conversation. Honestly, that's the conversations that I end up mostly having. So, yes, Jesus, God created your brain. He created your mind, so He cares about it. It is a part of your temple, right? Um, I think the issue is that when we think about the mind, we've made it this non-material place for so long, uh, right? Like this. Place that's just non-material and existential, but we have a brain and the brain is an organ and the brain most certainly impacts our mood and behavior. And we need to come back to connecting the two. You'll see that theme throughout all of this conversation is I'm constantly trying to connect mental health and physical health so that people realize that it's very tangible. Um, so going to the church, you know, the church has a huge historical role in mental health because in, I want to say, um, in like a 400 AD ish, like right after the Roman empire kind of take on, kind of took on Christianity, uh, before there was institutionalized healthcare, the church, the monasteries were transformed into places of healthcare. Um, actually the monasteries are who housed, you know, the sick, um, both physically and mentally and even travelers and whatnot and and took care of those passing through in the community. So the church really was a centralized place of of soul healing and of uh, of just 
overall care. Now, our methods at the time were definitely questionable <laughs> um, in how we treated things, as you can imagine, being back in that day. Uh, but needless to say, the church was always um, a place of healing for the community. And so I do think that the church plays still to this day a major role in being on the front lines of when it comes to mental health. And so what we really want to do is come to this holistic perspective that's inter- an integrated view where we understand that yes, this is a physical issue and we have a human experience that plays a role in how we're wired and how that impacts our mood and behavior, especially in cases of trauma where it stores in our brain and body. Um, But also we have hope, right? We have hope because this ain't it. Like we have Jesus, we have the Lord. He can do above and beyond all that we could ask or imagine. And so that is where our hope comes from. That is our source. And that is who where our identity is. It's not in our challenges. It's in who God made us to be regardless of how we feel. Um, And so I think when it comes to the church, that's the biggest understanding that, that we need to overcome. And once we can do that and really have that foundational in our message and in our ideology about how we are approaching these types of issues, we're gonna see real hope and healing in people and less shame and stigma. And that is where the healing process, I think, actually begins. Well, yo, are you about to go to divinity school too? Because you, you're <laughs> preaching. Like, you was talking that stuff. Like, you, you were saying it. Go ahead and talk that. This, I, um, this is my main conversation. Y'all have no idea. Like, I love it. I love this. We could talk about it for days. Like, I bet, I, <laughs> I bet we could. I bet we could. But before, you know, you go, could you just give like a speed round? Maybe like three top books that you feel like yo this is if you want to talk mental health like read these or like if you want to learn more read this if you want to just you know become steeped more in understanding about you know mental health mental hygiene these are the books for you or is any books that you feel just for any type of like yeah just holistic health for out of all of the questions you know this is the hardest for me you know this because I am a book oh, nerd. You've fast. seen my highlights. Yes, yes, you know this yes, about me. Yes, yes. You are. You are. That's a fact. She got mad books. I'm a book nerd. I literally was coming <laughs> to her story like, books. yo, I'm, a, I'm stealing these books, yo. And she was like, no, that's fine. That's how we really met. I was like, yo, I'm taking all these books, like, bodies to like, how you score all these books? Like, yo. I was but, just about to mention that one. Okay. That was what I was going to mention. I think that's really great is the body keeps the score. I think that's really going to help open up a per, you know a reader's eyes on trauma and how it really does store in our bodies. I also want to give a trigger warning because there's a lot of sensitive information about traumatic experiences that are just kind of hard to read, but it happens. Um, trauma we like you know trauma and PTSD is not just overseas in a war; it's in our neighborhoods. Um, it can happen in any form. So um, the body keeps the score. Um, I'm looking at my bookcase while I'm saying this. Um, so that's a good one. Um, one that I really love is The Happiness Diet by Dr. Tyler Graham and Drew, Drew Ramsey. That one is about nutrition and mental health and the brain-gut connection. I think everybody should know about that because what you eat literally... Yes, there you go. Yes. Um, what you're eating, those nutrients are the building blocks of what is fueling your brain. Um, mm-hmm. And so sometimes a nutrient deficiency and certain foods can 
uh, make mental health challenges more challenging, so to speak, or it can really <laughs> uh, make you more efficient in your mental processing. So the, uh, so that's a good one, the happiness diet. And then if you're looking for something, I think that is going to give a good holistic view on the biblical and clinical perspective of mental health, I would say read Grace for the Afflicted, and that's by Dr. Matthew Stanford. Um, so there you go. Those are three that I think mm. are great to start with. I feel bad because I'm realizing that none of these are Black authors. Um, oh, you could read uh, Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome oh, yeah. by, uh, that's a good one. Dr. That Joy talks Ligura, about the, right? yes, that okay. talks about the, um, that talks about, intergenerational trauma coming from a historical standpoint, specifically of slavery, and even just epigenetics and how trauma can be passed on in our genes um, and turned on through certain environments. So post-traumatic slave slave syndrome, that's going to be my my black resource that everybody should read. Um, So yeah, there you go. I did. That's me really, really bringing it in. <laughs> well, thank listen, you. You brought it in. You brought it down. You brought it to the table. You did a lot. Thanks. I hope. Yeah. So. No, I we I think we honestly might make a, a part two or something like that. What, what you going what you, what, what you want to say? Two? I mean, look, we can. The people's probably going to really gravitate to this conversation because I know it was actually healing and helpful for me. So, Brittany, you know, we'll stay in contact, girl. Anytime. <laughs> no. And, 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 and before you leave, can you just like let people know where we can find you at. Like when, like if we want to follow you and stuff, like how can we keep up to date with your moves and what you're out? Yes. I love new friends. Okay. Um, so (laughs) you can go to my website, brittanymoses.com. I feel like that's going to be a central hub for like everything. She got a website. website. Yeah, I do. And, um, Instagram, I'm active on Instagram, Brittany Moses. I'm on Twitter, Brittany underscore Moses. And I, I just started YouTube, my YouTube channel back up. So I'm releasing like, like videos about all of these dynamics oh, more. Yeah. Um, oh, and then I have my podcast, which is the faith and mental wellness podcast where I'm having conversations at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health um, as well. So yeah. Um, come on. Yeah, over. Yeah, I heard doing it. Like <laughs> it's been a long time coming though. Like, let's be real. It's been years, like years of this. Um, it definitely did not happen overnight. It's been years of building. Well, Britt, you know, you're on a great track. I think everything that you have been creating and putting out in the world has really been making an impact. And we are just so grateful that you took the time to come on and talk to us. Oh, I love this so much. Thanks. It was a great convo and we're OD grateful to have had you on the show. I'm grateful for y'all and for opening this conversation because somebody has to open it up for it to happen. You know what I mean? And y'all are doing that. So that's huge. And I love you guys' heart for for all of this. And I can't wait to share. No, we are so excited to share this conversation with our audience. We really think it's going to resonate with the people. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brittany. We appreciate you so much. Yes. Thank you so much, Britt. It was a pleasure to have you. Thanks. I bet. So it's time for that culture. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot was happening in the world, namely Jada Pinkett Smith and August Alcina. So mm. we were going to touch on it last week, but me and Ashley's like, nah, we want to give it to them. Like we want to bring them a holistic, you know, viewpoint. So we're going to wait this Look week to hear Jada's Red Table holistic. Talk. You hear that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I always use that word. So we're going to do that. 
And now we're going to come to y'all with a full, you know what I'm saying? Trying to do our due diligence. Yeah, we don't want to speak on half stories. And mind you, the story is not fully, you know, told. You know, it's like kind of like a back and forth space right now. But at least we heard both sides. Well, you know what? Talking about sides, I think they want to hear your side, Ash. So go ahead. Tell us how you feel. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. All right. I guess I can go first. So, all right, my, I, you know, listened to August's interview and then I was like, all right, let's see what Jada is going to say by bringing herself to the red table. Wasn't expecting Will to be at the table. And I honestly think that Will shouldn't have been at the table. Big facts. Because like it just, it threw me off and it seemed to have thrown her off because I feel like that's where she got the word entanglement from. And even Will was looking like entanglement, Jada. Like, can you elaborate? Like that just seemed like I'm she crying. was Not with the Will around. voice though. Not with the Will voice. <laughs> if I can see, she made the Will face too. She was like. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, like it just didn't seem like it was a natural conversation it seemed like a very uncomfortable conversation for them and I didn't really understand like how she kind of opened it up with like thing about healing and it was like well who's really healing like what is Will healing from because like he wasn't expressing that he was hurt by something only August did but like that wasn't really addressed so qualm one Will shouldn't have been there and then two it just seemed like not very genuine and like there was like no accountability in a sense of like I think look Jada she has her feelings she's probably healed from it but I don't think she really gave August like the acknowledgement of actually potentially hurting him in the process of trying to heal you know like she mentioned it but it just didn't seem like hey I apologize to you for you know any pain I inflicted on you even though that wasn't that may have not have been my intentions Elson, how do you feel about all of this? Uh, yo, I knew saying now is like people going people. So I've really stopped looking at celebrities as like these like glorified persons for a long time now. I just think that if you was going to come to the red table talking, like want to say you want to talk about this stuff, it was underwhelming and not underwhelming mm-hmm. because they didn't get into like the intimate details of like what happened, but underwhelming because there was no substance to, to me, at least to what was being said to like, okay, you said you got to come because there's healing that needs to be taking place, but it's like, it was to me, it was just very cringy. Like, they was like laughing and stuff. Like, oh yeah, we took in a sick boy. And I'm like, that's low-key weird. And it's like, I understand you're talking about the healing because like, you definitely, I get it. Like, that could have not been your intention. But I think that the part was to acknowledge the impact. So I hear from other friends like, yo, well, why should she have to do that when men never do that? Men like, do that all the time. And like, when they have affairs probably get a young woman who's you know at a disadvantage to taking advantage of a young lady and i'm like i told i wholeheartedly hear that like i, I hear you but i think at the end of the day it's like are we against the behavior or are we against the person that's doing it i don't think it justifies it and i'm not trying to make it seem like i'm giving more sympathy to to See, august but i'm uh, like it's evident that he was definitely going through his own you know physical health problems emotional health problems like just losing his sister having to take in his nieces so i just think that at the end of the day like while jada maybe said that you were healing him you knew all the stuff he was going through at that point we also were healing somebody if you took that responsibility on you also have the responsibility to know your limitations and know hey maybe this is crossing 
territory or boundaries where it's like someone's gonna end up hurt here. And I'm just saying that based on the fact like you also have experience. Like you, you know, what I'm saying you've had my bad for cutting you off, sir. Ahead, I just wanted to ahead, ahead, say something based off of what you were saying, <laughs> and I agree with um, your point to a certain extent. I think my biggest thing is when people try to compare, like you know, men and women in regards to affairs or entanglements or whatever you may call it I think it sometimes can be different because I just feel like as a woman we come from a very nurturing space and and when it comes to Jada I just don't see her as a person who was like preying on him or like intentionally trying to take advantage of him I think it got to that point but I don't think that was initially the intention I think she genuinely was trying to help him and be there for him and show up for him And as she was showing up for him, she was finding peace and like an escape from all her own baggage that she was dealing with. So he was more of like an escape goat in her avoiding all the problems and trauma she was feeling from her marriage. So I think that's what led her to, you know, this entanglement that took place. Do I feel like she could have owned up to, I mean, she owned up to a certain extent of like saying, you know, I didn't um I wasn't healed fully before you know trying to help him but she just never said like you know what my fault my bad I you know didn't put you I didn't fully acknowledge what you were going through because I was so focused on myself and what I needed in that moment and that could have harmfully affected you mind you they don't owe us a dang thing and you know but if you're gonna come to the table and and I agree with that, right? Because they don't owe us anything. I think for me, is right. We could all say that, like, I can't heal someone because I'm not perfectly healed. Like, no one's going to be perfectly healed. But I think the step that's that people are looking for, or at least I'm looking for, is, like, sometimes just that transparency. Like, okay, cool. You know I'm going through stuff. That doesn't mean I still can't be there for you. But what I am going to give you, at least, is I'm going to at least be open and honest with you about what is transpiring, at least. You know what I'm saying? I feel like that's where he's coming from with it. Maybe, like, Clearly, the lines got blurred somewhere along. Somewhere, the lines were not, were blurred. I feel like that's where it comes from. Like, it's not about happening. I think sometimes like, going back to every, everything goes back to that like, communication and that, like, what was said and then also, like, what was received from what was said. And it's like, you can't necessarily place blame. It's just like, this is the circumstance and this is the outcome. No, I think you're right. It's important to acknowledge how your actions affect other people. And I think that's something we all can take yeah. away from this is that communication is so important and with communication comes you know accountability and responsibility because if you're in coming into an entanglement or situation with anybody when things change when emotions change for the better or the worse it's important to make sure you're articulating that to the other side maybe you know where you stand but maybe they don't know and that's not fair to them for them to think that you're somewhere that you actually aren't no i I agree and i feel like the thing is, I'm not looking for it to be like, you did this, you did that, right? I think it's more so just like based upon your reflection. I think when she was speaking, it was kind of more like, a, that was four years ago. Like, why are, you, why are you still talking about this kid? But it's like clearly like that's still his truth. And like his truth is his truth. Your truth is your truth. But we can't kind of discredit anybody. So I think that's one. Two is like, it's just very interesting to see the intersection and the nuance of all these things. Because we're talking about black mental health. We're talking about you know, black physical health. Now we're talking about, you know, black love. Like, so many concepts coming into play at one time. So I think it's just been really eye-opening to hear all the insights from people. Like, nothing's like, I guess, right or wrong. But it's just like, people's own experiences have informed the way that they view 
this situation, which is like very interesting. And I think the last thing I was gonna say is it just also shows how important it is to really take control of your own healing and to just be very, very careful of like finding your own healing through somebody else. Yeah. Like people can definitely assist you, but do not heal within somebody else or do you know what I'm saying? Cause like once that person leaves or anything happens to that person, like you don't want to be back at square one. So really make sure you that you're doing your be healing dependent work. On other people yes. for peace. Yes. That's very dangerous, man. It's very dangerous. But since we're talking about, you know, not depending on people and finding your own way of healing, I think that's a perfect way to transition into Black Businesses of the Week, right? Put them on, put them on, put them on. Yes. Okay, so the business I want to highlight this week is Therapy for Black Girls. And the podcast that they have is amazing. It started off, I believe, as a podcast. And I know I have turned to it for so many different, you know, episodes or aspects of being a black girl and navigating this world that we're in and the different struggles, but then also the beauties that come along with it. So I highly recommend checking out that podcast. And while you're at it, they also have on their website a find like therapist section where you can like type in your insurance you have, like where you're looking to find one. And different things that you're looking for and it will narrow it down and help you like find people that are close to you i've used it since being here in california during covid but i know that while covid while covid wait i've used it especially during quarantine to really try to figure out how to navigate my emotions outside of just covid because during this time this past year so many people have passed you know right before this kobe and gianna passed which i still am grappling with that's facts you know you had kobe and gianna at the start of the year you had pop smoke you have nairvera now it's just it's a lot and it just shows you how you can be here one minute and go on the next like life is so precious and the weight of that especially like not every day is promised so I know Ash was the same way. I feel like, yo, if you need help, please make sure you reach out and get help. We will be sharing mental health resources, but please make sure you're getting the help that you need. One of my friends last week challenged me. Like, I was like, you know, I really, I'm excited. I, I want to take this next step in my journey to actually see a therapist and to take care of my mental health. And she was like, I'm going to hold to it. So like, yo, y'all in the comments, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're regular people. Make sure you hit us up. Keep us accountable to these things, like keeping up with our therapist and we're going to make sure definitely to like track our journey so like as we have more episodes hopefully we can have an episode just about like yo what it took to find the right therapist but in saying all of that my black business for the week is the liberate app so it's a app which is a meditation for us by us and it is a meditation app for the black indigenous and people of color community and I really liked it when I when I went on because it didn't seem like it was like a kind of this overarching like just feel good message but I really felt kind of seen. I felt that I was being spoken to by kind of like a mom or an aunt or an uncle, brother. It kind of has like that kind of familial concept to it. So it's, it takes into consideration my identity and I feel like I'm able to find topics that I want to go through. And the meditation seems like, sometimes it's not even a meditation, it's like more of a heart to heart. And I'll leave it okay. at that. So make sure to check them out. Make sure to check them out. We're going to feature them on the page. And, you know, download at the App Store and give it a shot and then leave your comments and reviews in the comment section. And let us know what you think of what we just shared with y'all. Yes, I think I'm going to be checking out that app because I love my black businesses, but I also am trying to get centered. And I think why not do that with a 
business that is catered and created by my peoples. So for us by you know, us. This, yes. So, you know, this has been a longer episode, but I think it was a very meaningful and good conversation. So I hope you guys enjoyed. <laughs> Next week we're not gonna hold y'all long. Yes, like what time is it? <laughs> we done been here for a minute. But you know, I think every minute counts and every minute was like intentional. So I'm loving the content we're doing. I hope you guys very are. necessary conversation. And I mean Look, we aren't all perfect and good over here. We got, you know, our faults and our failures and our mess ups. <laughs> Imperfections. Yes. Yeah, so, aka, be ready for next week. Just that was a little hint. So hopefully you you picked up what I was throwing down. Okay. Um, but until then, <laughs> never do oh that again. Oh my gosh, I thought that was great. <laughs> but fine, fine. It was JK. I am known for being corny, so like you have to like just appreciate it, you know, when it comes, right? No, I can appreciate that. You know, keep the people in your life that make you laugh and smile. And with that, make sure that y'all take y'all space to heal, to process, to learn, unlearn, relearn. And we just appreciate y'all for always coming and staying with us, sticking with us, hanging around. And just enjoying a good conversation. So with that, from the bottom of our hearts, we love y'all. We love y'all. Till next time. Bye. Peace.